Would you join with me as you are willing and able to stand and prepare for the reading of God's word? It's a very familiar psalm to us, but it is my prayer and has been my prayer that it will have a, an even greater impact upon us, that its familiarity would not breed a measure of contempt, but a greater fullness of devotion and understanding that as we leave here today, that we will be ever more reminded and ever more confident that for those who are in Christ, God is with you. The Lord our God, the creator of the heavens and the earth, the one who sustains all of life, is with you in Christ. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Please be seated. One of the most, if not the most terrifying situation to experience is to feel that you are completely alone, that no one cares about you that no one thinks about you, that no one is with you. It can be a sinking feeling that can send us to places of desperation and darkness, places where we would not normally go when we think that no one is there, no one cares, no one thinks about you. You feel alone. And it's amazing that can happen at times we're in the midst of, of a crowded room or in a family gathering of where that loneliness can feel. I know as a child and even at times as an adult that walking in the dark or in unknown areas is always easier when someone is with me. Somehow it feels better when a difficult situation, in a difficult situation, knowing that I am not alone. Remember David used in this passage the first three verses of this beautiful prayer to declare that the great I am is his shepherd and went on to describe all of the wonderful things that Yahweh, his shepherd, had done for him. We remember he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Now in verse 4, David reveals to us that the center and heart of this beautiful psalm is his core and treasured understanding of his beloved shepherd. He knows this truth is critical. It is the truth that makes the foundation of his life. Therefore, he wants everyone else to know also this great truth as he declares it to his great God and Savior. He wants us to know that Yahweh, his shepherd, is with him. Yahweh is not distant from David, but he is right there with him 
as he sojourns this life and lives eternally in the next. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, David is saying, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. David is describing here that he is getting everything from God his shepherd. David's not providing anything yet. He is receiving everything from God. David is using his shepherding experience to provide a personal understanding of his life with his shepherd, who is God Almighty, the great I Am, Yahweh. In David's day and in many areas around the world today, shepherds annually take their flocks to their winter feeding areas, to, from their winter feeding areas to summer grazing places in the higher elevations. It is a long trek through the mountain passes to reach the higher areas where food becomes more plentiful as the winter snows begin to melt. For some, this travel through the valley on the way to the mountaintop can be treacherous since it is along this path that predators of the sheep will lie in wait for opportunities to attack the helpless sheep. Familiar with this experience, David describes how he feels about his shepherd as he relates his shepherding to his life as a man seeking to follow his God in this fallen world. Like many of us have been involved in a recent Sunday school class called The Strange New World. Some of us might be looking around at times and going, this is not the world we recognize from years past. But nonetheless, David is describing that his God is with him no matter what he may face ahead. It is God who is with him, and he takes great comfort in that. David's natural fear of difficult situations, circumstances, and the evil that he encounters is real, as it is for each one of us. David is not saying that he does not fear because the situations are not serious and dangerous. Rather, he is proclaiming that despite how dangerous and evil this walk through the valley of the shadow of death is, he will not fear because of one absolutely critical reason. We are listening in as David is confessing to his good shepherd that he does not fear walking through this dangerous life because he is never alone. You are with me and your rod and your staff, they comfort me. For a shepherd, the rod is a type of club that is used to protect and defend the sheep and the shepherd from all manner of danger. Each shepherd makes his own club, makes his own rod, and forms it to his particular specifications. With much practice, a shepherd can swing and throw the rod with exacting accuracy to kill, maim, or correct. It is a very valuable tool in the hand of a shepherd. God's word is much the same as way as a shepherd's rod to protect us from spiritual lies and deception while also allowing God, Christ's followers to be deliberate in combating evil. God's word is truth. It is our only way for our faith and practice. It is what that delivers us from the false ideas in a strange new world and allows us to be salt 
bringing flavor into the area that God has given us to minister, as well as to show the light that separates the darkness that is so much a part of many of the people that we interact with on a daily basis. And even at times is infecting our own hearts and minds, and we need the clearing. That's the beauty, as Pastor Troy and and, uh, Pastor Colin have said so many times, that our gathering for worship on the Lord's Day is one of the most countercultural things that we could do. And it is one of the most necessary things that we need to be reminded, not on the things that we pick and choose about to read on and discover, but God is directing through the preaching of his word, through our singing, through the confessions, through the administration of the Lord's Supper. He is speaking to us and strengthening us using his rod and his staff to guide, direct, protect, correct, to take us where we need to go. Then God's word showed him his need of a savior and turned him. The word of God is living and active. Yes. One example of that is from Hebrews chapter 4. The word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword piercing to the division of soul and spirit and joints and marrow and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And no creation is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. As sheep belonging to a shepherd, we are never out of his sight. We are always in his care, as David proclaims. God's word by the power of the Holy Spirit can cut each of us and our spiritual adversaries to the heart. It can take a persecutor of the church such as Saul of Tarsus and show him that he is a sinner, no matter how great his religious devotion or intellectual power. There is no one beyond the impact of the word of God through the power of the Holy Spirit in the life of a person. Then God's word showed him his need of a savior turned him into the Apostle Paul. This new man named Paul became a champion for Christ, who saw his life on earth as all for Christ, and that his physical dying would be his gain unto eternal fellowship with God and Jesus. Oh, to hold that type of devotion in our hands and in the bosom of our lives, that we would live all for Christ and see our life ending here in whatever manner it occurs as our gain unto eternity. Each shepherd also uses a staff, which like a rod is a very personalized tool of comfort for directing and assisting the sheep so they know the shepherd's will for them. Experienced shepherds can skillfully use the curved end of the staff to pick up and return a lost lamb to its mother without getting its scent on the lamb, causing its mother to reject it. A shepherd also uses the staff to guide and direct the sheep where they are needed to travel by skillfully applying the right amount of pressure on the side of the sheep to direct it where it needs to go to be safe. In a similar manner, God's word in the hands of a devoted and skillful shepherd is used of God to guide and direct the sheep in the path they are to walk. 
and as we gather together as the body of Christ and are regularly under the preaching of the word, it is God's intention and it is the desire of the leadership of this church to guide you, that you would in every aspect of your life be listening to God, being moved by His direction, by His word. All Scripture we find in 2 Timothy 3. All Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and training in righteousness that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. It is a great blessing and benefit, a wonderful gift from God that we have His Word and it will direct us where we need to go. Jesus' disciples were fearful of him leaving as he described things to come related to his death on the cross. They became reassured as Jesus explained how important it was for him to leave so that another like him would come. He who is the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit continues to empower and strengthen God's people in all they need to say and to do and to think. Jesus kept his promise to always be with his disciples, even to the end of the age. He sent the Holy Spirit, who gave them, and many others, the ability to believe, trust in, and obey God's word unto his glory. God skillfully uses his rod and his staff to protect his sheep from eternal spiritual harm and to guide his sheep in the way that they should go, so that they each know his peace and each experience true fellowship with the Good Shepherd forever. David continues his description of the sheep's track to the summer grasslands through the valley of the shadow of death where evil can be all around. And many of us might feel like that as we're navigating through our work, through our family relationships, through our community, looking at our national issues as well as our state um, current events. The sheep's trek to the summer grasslands through the valley of the shadow of death where evil can be all around. By again telling his dear shepherd what he is doing for him as we listen in on David's conversation. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. It is my cup that overflows because of you. Many people, including me and maybe you too, find it a special treat when invited to someone's home home to share a meal and upon arriving, see the table already set and prepared. In front of each seat is a lovely place setting with even a napkin neatly folded to be used during dinner. The luscious smell of what's for dinner fills the air while everything else in the room creates a welcoming feeling that ignites the heart, assuring you that you belong here and are dearly welcome. Much preparation has been made to make sure each detail is as it should be when you arrive. David describes for us a table that his shepherd provides. He speaks to his shepherd, Lord, directly testifying, you prepare a table before me, and you, my dear shepherd, do so in the presence of my enemies. David may be referring, and most likely is, to a time as recorded in 2 Samuel 17, 
beginning in verse 27, where David and his people were provided desperately needed food when they were being pursued by his son Absalom, who was intent on capturing him and killing David to take his throne from him. Danger is near and threatening, and in the face of it, the Lord unheardly sustains his servant. Another example from history of the good shepherd's provision for his sheep in the valley of the shadow of death is October 6, 1536. An English linguist and biblical scholar named William Tyndale, who translated the word of God into English from the Greek and Hebrew so the common people could read it, was burned at the stake for making such a translation. As he was traveling through his valley of the shadow of death, his good shepherd was guiding and protecting him. William Tyndale's last words were not for his own comfort. God had already satisfied his eternal needs. But instead of thinking about himself, his concern was for the people of England who were without God's word in their own language. So with his last breath, Before the flames consumed him, he prayed out loud to his heavenly father, Open the king of England's eyes. God in his mercy answered this prayer in less than two years as the king of England in in September 1538 ordered a copy of the Bible in English to be placed in every church in England for everyone to read. Many similar examples can be recounted from history as well as contemporary ones from amongst us where God carries his beloved sheep through the valley of the shadow of death and we need not fear evil for he is with us. We can look examples throughout the world today in many countries including the United States where followers of Christ are being persecuted in numerous ways simply because they seek to be obedient to the word of God. Please consider these thoughts when you partake of the Lord's Supper in a short time. No matter what challenges and difficulties you face, now or still linger from days past, no matter what enemies are before you, whether physically, emotionally, or spiritually, the Good Shepherd has prepared a table before you in the presence of all of these enemies. He anoints your head with oil, And as he blesses you in Jesus Christ with his broken body for you and his blood shed for you and your cup of life is filled to overflowing and will never, ever run dry. A theologian used this little quote that I took to describe this situation a little bit. As God leads his sheep where he will, they will regularly find a table he has prepared for them. Their heads have been anointed with purest oil and their cups have been filled to overflowing with the wine of true and everlasting joy. In a dry and parched land, oil is a real and needed physical blessing for many. Oil was applied to sheep to protect them from all kinds of bugs and flies that they could get into their noses and eyes and ears and could drive a sheep mad, even to the point of death. Oil provides healing to dry and weary skin, comforting the sheep in their very troubles. In Exodus 30, verse 29, God directs the Israelites to use a special blend of oil 
to anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them so they may serve as priests. In each case, oil is used to bless its receiver. Oil is a sign of blessing and special care from God. Psalm 33 describes it this way. How good and pleasant it is when brothers live together in unity. It is like precious oil poured on the head, running down on the beard, running down on Aaron's beard, down upon the collar of his robes. It is as if the dew of Hermon were falling on Mount Zion. For where the Lord bestows his blessing, even life evermore. In each of these situations, the good shepherd prepares a table for his beloved sheep in the presence of their enemies. He blesses his precious lambs with oil like that which shepherds do to protect their sheep from parasites, flies, and other troublesome critters. And David celebrates the reality of God with us that our cups are always filled to overflowing because God has provided for his beloved sheep in inexhaustible supply in Jesus Christ. Through his Holy Spirit of everything his cherished people need in this life and the next. And finally here in verse 6, David is describing the ultimate fulfillment of his life before God and his Savior, his good shepherd. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. For you are with me. Much of the same words that Jesus proclaimed that I will always be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Wherever you go, wherever you are sent, you are not alone, but I am with you. David finishes this beautiful prayer with a conclusion to his journey with his good shepherd. One Hebrew scholar highlights that the English word surely can also be translated as only and maybe betterly so because of the certainty which the Hebrew word conveys. Goodness and mercy can be coupled together to mean steadfast love. And the English word follow is the Hebrew word used in Exodus 14, 8 and 9 and in Judges 7, 23 and 25 to describe Pharaoh pursuing the Israelites as well as the Israelites pursuing the Midianites. In light of these thoughts, we can consider this verse maybe written this way. Only goodness and mercy shall pursue me all the days of my life, and I will forever dwell in the house of my faithful shepherd, Yahweh Jesus. So we look at what David is saying as he brings this beautiful prayer to a close. He is confident in the fullest degree that Yahweh's steadfast love for him will pursue him all the days of his life and his travels will undoubtedly end in the house of Yahweh forever. Maybe David is reflecting on Psalm 139 as he wrote Psalm 23 or it could be vice versa. Nonetheless, we hear a common theme that is a great comfort and support for all weary sheep. O Lord, you have searched me, and you know me. You know when I sit, and you know when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. 
O Lord, where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. You are with me. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me. David in Psalm 139 goes on to say more about the God shepherd being with him, no matter where he may go. But let it satisfy us that he is eternally confident Yahweh will always be with him and he will never be in want because as beautifully expressed in this last verse, David will dwell in the house of the good shepherd forever. One theologian also offers these, these words in trying to summarize wonderfully this portion of Psalm 23. No one can look back over the journey. The grassy pastures may be the normal place. The valley of shadows, the fearful place. In front of the enemies, the dangerous place. And the house of Yahweh, the abiding place. And Christ leads us in, through and to them all. What position have you taken? Only when Yahweh Jesus is your shepherd can you say, I will never lack anything. In ordinary times, in fearful times, in dangerous times, or at the last time. One pastor in his commentary on Psalm 23 used these seven headings to guide one's understanding of this beautiful psalm. I am using them here as a part of the conclusion to help us always remember that Yahweh is ever with his beloved people, providing all that we need in Jesus Christ by the loving power of the Holy Spirit. I shall not be in want. I shall not lack rest. I shall not lack life. I shall not lack guidance. I shall not lack safety. I shall not lack provision. I shall not lack a heavenly home. Like David, those who are in Christ have everything we need, not necessarily everything we want. Through the magnificent work of Jesus Christ applied to each of his precious sheep, we have good seed to share with a desperate world starving for truth, hope, and righteousness. In the security of the good shepherd, who is always with you, each of us is in the position to regardless of our station in life, to be a useful servant, a useful instrument in his care. God in his mercy has given us his eternal word as a lamp for our feet and a light to our path. He has given the Holy Spirit to each of his beloved children to guide us on our way in this broken world. May I encourage you to ask God for anything you see you or those in your mission field lack. Many times we don't have because we do not ask. Other times we don't have because we ask with the wrong motives. That he will, the spirit to each of his beloved children to guide us on our way in this broken world as you expect great things from him and attempt great things for him. What I'm asking here and what I've been praying for from God is a great movement amongst his people.
that we would become a more devoted people of prayer. That we would look around in our world and we'd be less inclined to complain and more propelled to pray for those things we see are contrary to the will of God. And then we might even ask God to help us, what should we do? How can we prepare to be your instruments in this culture, in your particular mission field? And then, in the strength of God, be willing to participate, to go where God is leading you to go. For each of us, it could be a very different place. Would you consider joining me in a regular praying for those who serve in our civil government? As an application, I I brought a few of the prayer guides are on each of the tables in the back. I currently pray through each of the members of our General Assembly. There's 253 members in our House and Senate combined. And I pray for each one of them. I pray for seven each day of of the House of Representatives and two in the Senate. And I send them notices that I'm praying for them. And then I go to the Capitol once a week right now, and I deliver those notes. Last Wednesday, I had the opportunity to pray with over two dozen people at the state Capitol on all kinds of things, representatives, senators, uh, um, legislative assistants, security guards, and other people that work there, just by simply saying, can I pray for you? And almost every time, I'm given permission to do so. Would you consider joining me in regularly praying for those who serve in our civil government and seeing how God may use you to interact with these civil servants? We can attempt the unusual, seemingly impossible, or unlikely because God is always at work in ordering his world as he sees fit and invites you to join in this glorious labor for the kingdom of Jesus Christ, to share the good seed of his love and his truth to whomever we can wherever we can, whenever we can. This is not easy. However, it is simple. But the pressures and temptations of this world are a daily source of distraction to our focus on God and Jesus through his word and prayer. You can pray. You can consider this alliteration to assist you in navigating through this life with the assurance that your God shepherd is with you wherever he takes you. Pray. Ask God to guide you through his word and by his spirit on how you are to live for his kingdom glory. Be willing to be stretched to places you may not have thought you could be taken. Prepare. Consider how God desires for you to get ready to be involved in what he is preparing for you to do. And then participate. In faith, expect great things from God regardless of whether or not you're five or near the end of your life, if you are here, you are useful in his hands to his glory. Expect great things from God, and then in his strength, attempt great things from God. In closing, I am using the seven headings listed earlier, but now I'm going to turn them from the negative to the positive. As we remember the rejoicing David did, in his good shepherd described for us throughout Psalm 23. Yahweh, Jesus, is my shepherd. He gives me everything I need. He gives me his perfect rest in Jesus' righteousness. 
He gives me all life and breath. He guides me in the way I should go. He fully protects me all the way. He provides for my every need. He takes me all the way to eternal life in his home. Now let us be strengthened and encouraged as we close this passage with these blessed words which the Holy Spirit inspired the Apostle Paul to write in his letter to the saints at Philippi. It's found in Philippians 4, beginning in verse 4. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is with you. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, dear brothers, dear followers of Jesus, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. Let us pray.